Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, December the 12th in 2022 on When Our Eyes. Today we begin year A, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Man, it's here already, the last week of Advent leading up to Christmas Sunday. So on the Monday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the Old Testament passage, which comes to us in this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves back in the prophetic book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign from the Lord your God. Make it as deep as the grave or as high as the heaven. But Ahaz said, I won't ask, I won't test the Lord. Then Isaiah said, Listen, house of David, isn't it enough for you to be tiresome for the people? You're also tiresome before my God. Therefore, the Lord your God will give a sign. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. He will eat butter and honey and learn to reject evil and choose good. Before the boy learns to reject evil and choose good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. The Lord will bring upon you, upon your people, and upon your families days unlike any that have come since the day of Ephraim broke away from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of God for us. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we have to make some decisions with this passage. Inevitably, if you've been around the church around the time of Christmas or Advent season, you've heard of not only Isaiah 7 that we have here, but the gospel passage for this week is actually Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, where we get a revisit of this passage when the angel meets with Joseph in the midst of all this turmoil. And this passage seems to, according to Matthew's mind, reach fulfillment. All right, so what's going on here? Uh, if we actually look at the, the historical context of Isaiah chapter 7, it sheds light, I think, on what's going on here. And there's like a nugget of something to, to wrestle with here in Isaiah 7. And then I'm going to leave it hanging for the rest of the week and then pick it up again in Matthew chapter 1 because I think that Matthew could be doing something at two layers because he is, I don't know, like a par excellence teacher. And so he's able to do two things at the same time. All right, so here, hear me out. So in Isaiah chapter 7, uh, we have King Ahaz of the north, and uh, he is worried sick about a couple of kings that have come together um, that are seem to like attacking neighboring nations. And so he is beginning to want to take matters into his own hands. He's got a chance to make some sort of a treaty with another nation just in case um, these two kings take an attack on him. And so before he officially makes it, as he's like wrestling with the deep within, now the prophet comes to him and the prophet says that God's going to deliver you from these kings. Their threat is not very serious. It looks like it, but it ultimately is going to come to nothing. And um, I, the prophet must have understood that uh, Ahaz was struggling with this. And so the prophet gets this, this leniency from God to allow Ahaz to ask for a sign. And notice like the sky's the limit here. I mean, Ahaz could have done anything once, as deep as the grave or as high as the heavens, whatever you need to help convince you that you can trust God and not fret about this, God is willing to show you a sign. 
but Ahaz, who is a wicked king, by the way, he like has this rare, like very superficial form of holiness, of purity by saying, I would never put God to a test by asking for a sign. And so the prophet's like, all right, whatever, dude, whatever, brah. So he decides to give him a sign anyway. And he talks about a young woman. Okay. So the common English version that I read from says young woman. Uh, that's, you could trans, you can translate that from the Hebrew. Um, a lot of our English translations, particularly ones that land in Protestant hands, are going to have virgin, and that's fine. It's translated either way, um, either in the Hebrew Old Testament or also in the, the Greek, a translation of the Old Testament, Septuagint. And so we can just calm down about it. Uh, this is not a threat uh, to orthodoxy or to aligning the creed. Okay, it's, it's just there. A, a young woman is going to have a child, and his name is going to be Emmanuel. Now, his name happens to mean uh, the God who's with us, right? Uh, the God among us. And before this child can know right from wrong, so at the very earliest ages of his own volitional recollection, making choices on his own, the threat of these two kings will uh, expire and they don't have to be a worry. So in the historical sense, what's going on here is that there's a king in turmoil. And God is trying to reach out to this king. This king is resistant in two extremes. Number one, taking matters into his own hands, but also having like this rather fake piousness. And so the prophet is speaking uh, to the king and he's saying, hey, uh, there's a young woman. And there's a good chance that this young woman wasn't some arbitrary person, but it could have been Ahaz's wife. It could have been the prophet's wife. Remember, Isaiah is a court prophet. And so he there's a sense where he could have been with the king and the king could have known his extended family. But uh, there seems to be this like, hey, you're wrestling with this and you need a sign. And there's going to be one right in front of your eyes. And you need to know so that it could be a witness against you in the later days. That, for, that from this point on, God has been with you. And uh, there's no need uh, to fret about these things. And so, I mean, what can we say here? What, 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 if we, let's try to contain it. Okay, let's not go to Matthew chapter 1 until Friday. So let's just leave it there for a second. So what can, well, how does this preach today? Like if we only had this passage and, and not the rest, what, what can we uh, preach about? What, what can we wrestle with? What could be a devotional thought for the day? I think like King Ahaz, we have the same extreme temptations, don't we? We have temptation to take to something that's way bigger than us, is causing us to fret, it's causing us to lose sleep to take matters into our own hands. You know, sometimes it works out for us. Sometimes it just makes it worse, right? Um, when we fret about something, we just like, we actually turn a molehill into a mountain, right? And when we ruminate on it, it like adds like soul wounds to us um, over time. And so on the one hand, uh, we need to not, not take mat all matters into our hands. Like something's really outside and above our pay grade. And so we need to leave it to powers that be or the power that be the power being God. On the other hand, we can show like a fake piousness like King Ahaz. Uh, we can have a front of spirituality when there's nothing much going on underneath. And so this could also be a passage that calls us to a great integrity. Once again, integrity is not just um, someone who's stoic and who uh, keeps a cool head in all situations, but integrity is like having like having a fortitude in the midst of trial, right? Um, I remember being on a swamp boat tour, like an Everglades tour in Florida. And the tour guide said that um, alligators, their teeth is all um, not in a straight line, but it's all jagged because they're, uh, they're uh, closing the, the power to close their mouth on eating something is stronger than the integrity of their gum and their uh, jawline. And so their teeth move because of the sheer power and torque 
of their biting ability, right? So that's when when he said that, it kind of it made an impression on me, like how integrity is like being held together in all situations. Like we're the same person, no matter what situation we find ourselves. In a situation where we're in weakness, in a situation where there's a lot of leverage in our favor, like we don't take advantage of those things, we're the same person. We're the person of purity. And so what this passage can speak to us is, hey, like a check, like, hey, are we people who are held together? And um, I think just a shot in the dark here, we all have some room to grow in this area. Therefore, we need a savior and we need a teacher, someone who, like Jesus, who um, was able to be the same person in every room, in every situation. He was the pure one. And because of his purity, we can become pure. And so we need to come to Jesus once more and ask for his help. So once again, refusing to take matters into our own hands because we just might make it worse. Second thing is, is are we people who are held together and don't just have a veneer of spirituality with nothing of substance underneath, but is there truly substance underneath our confession? So with all those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I rejoice in who you are today. And as our, we allow our souls to rise and meet you, we thank you for a chance to grow, to change, and to transform. God, I thank you that um, you call us deeper. And if we are to confess to you today, we need your help because we still take uh, large matters into our own hands. And at times, it just makes matters worse. Uh, maybe it's a relational strain. Uh, perhaps it is... Um, a conflict deeper than that we have that we're trying to, I don't know, fix in our own strength instead of giving over to you. And so we thank you that you are our righteousness, um, that in you we become the righteousness of God, uh, that your great plan that you're doing in the whole world, the fixing of creation includes us. We're being fixed by you. And so this day we give ourselves over to you once more and we ask, have your way in our lives. And we also confess that um, we can have a veneer of spirituality, something that's just really paper thin and nothing much behind it. And so f- forgive us for our play acting, um, how we've had uh, double lives and double standards. And um, I simply pray that you continue to finish the work that you started within us. And we rejoice in that work. We don't hide from you. We don't run from you. We don't dread the work. We think we, that, that this work that you do with us, within us, it's all about love. And so may love abound in our lives. May it overflow in and through our hearts out to the world around us so that our lives be changed and that this world be changed around us. So God, we love you this day. We pray that you would consume us once more and allow us to be your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.